Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Oh, how's everyone doing? Staying inside and staying warm, I hope. I hope you've dug out of the snow. You know, I don't think it was that bad. They kept saying, oh, we're going to get pounded. We're going to get pounded. Sunday night into Monday and all day Monday and then Monday night into Tuesday. And I'll be honest, we didn't get anything. I'm the kind of person that I either want to just get absolutely blizzarded in to where you can't leave the house for four days. And by God, you better have bought milk and eggs and bread. It's like... What are you going to make with all that crap? Milk, eggs, and bread. We're getting a blizzard and we're going to have French toast? Why is that what people buy? Anyhow, I either want that or I want 70 degrees. There's no in-between. If you're not going to give me a blizzard, then I don't want any of it. You want to talk about really dividing people and really pissing people off. You need to follow the social media of meteorologists, those on WTHR and Wish TV and RTV6 or some of these other independent meteorologists like the people on BAM. What's that? BAMWX.com weather. The guy who does all of that on Facebook and social media. I tell you what, people are on there like actually cussing them, telling them that they want them to die and things like that because we didn't get snow. Not because we got it, but because we didn't get it. I'll never, never, never understand that, ever. So, I don't know. Hey, folks, welcome to the show today. This is episode 65. I want to take just a second and say thank you for coming back. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Thank you for listening to my voice, clicking on and being with us. I want to say thank you for listening each and every Tuesday and Saturday, being with me, giving me a little bit of your time, or whatever day that you choose to listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And moreover, thank you for spreading the episodes and spreading the podcast. I am starting to get more and more people contacting me, specifically more and more people contacting me from different areas within Indiana. I'm starting to get a lot of people connecting with me from the Kokomo area. Starting to get some contacting me from Evansville and then different places from outside of Indiana. And that's all on you. You guys spreading this podcast and this message and the information by word of mouth and by social media. And I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Continue doing that. Obviously, if you're listening, you're listening on whatever 
podcast hosting site that you listen to, either it's the home station at perception.fireside.fm, or for those of you that listen on one of the podcast hosting sites, like iTunes or Google Podcast or Google Play or Spotify or Stitcher or TuneIn or Radio Public, thank you for that. Now, I do want to tell everybody, if you're listening to my voice and you hear this and you're listening at the home link on perception.fireside.fm, that's fantastic. But it would be better for you and you would get a more enjoyable experience if you were listening to this on an actual podcast hosting site. And I want to take just a little bit of time. I'm actually going to do this in a video coming up so people can see. But if you have an Android phone, a Samsung or some other kind of Android phone, then you should be listening to this episode and all episodes on Google Podcast or Google Play. They are free and it's easy for you to get that on your phone. That way you can fast forward and skip around if you so choose. And it lets you see the artwork for each episode. It's a better experience. It also lets you see the summary of each episode. Whereas the home link is just there. And you can actually click each individual podcast hosting site, if you go to perception.fireside.fm, it pops up the artwork. It's got my little cartoon head and the writing. And then it says, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, Better Government Through Citizen Involvement. Then it says, RSS, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Google Play, CastBox, CastRow, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you click on one of those buttons, obviously if you have iPhones or you have iTunes on other products, click on the iTunes, click on the Apple podcast section. That takes you straight there. That way you can subscribe and that way you can always be notified when things drop so you don't have to constantly keep coming back looking for them. It will actually notify you or... You can continue listening at perception.fireside.fm. That's just the, supposed to be the mechanism to help you find it. Or if you listen to things on Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio, you can find this podcast there. I just want you to listen to it the way that's best for you. I get people sometimes who'll say, hey, I was listening halfway through the show and my phone died, and I went back and I was not able to fast forward. And that's correct because for some unknown reason the home link doesn't give you an option to fast forward. If you're listening on mobile devices, if you're listening on a laptop or a computer, you can. But on a mobile device, they've taken that option off for some reason. But if you're listening to this on any of the other podcast hosting sites, like Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Google Podcasts or Radio Public or iHeartRadio, then you could click ahead, you know, 10 or 30 seconds and skip ahead to where you were. Just do whatever is easiest for you. And if anyone ever has any trouble listening to an episode, please let me know if you have any questions about how the different podcast hosting sites are supposed to work. I will help you. That way you can get the best enjoyment out of listening to each and every episode as possible. All right, so for today's episode, episode number 65... I'm still not really sure what I'm going to call it. 
I don't know if I'm going to call this civil disobedience in 2019, or would you like some tea with that? Basically based off the Boston Tea Party. So here's what the deal is. In the last two days, I've been receiving several phone calls, text messages, or other messages like on Facebook or, or email about an article that ran in the Star Press, which is the paper out of Muncie, Indiana. Some would say it's the largest newspaper in East Central Indiana. Others might argue that the Herald Bulletin out of Anderson might be bigger. They're both pretty crappy papers. We can talk about that later. But the Star Press ran an article, and I believe that they first ran it online sometime Monday, December the 16th, earlier in the day, and then it came out in the print on Tuesday the 17th, which is actually the day that I'm recording this. And I received several people saying, hey, hey, did you hear that the Muncie City, Delaware County government's trying to shut you up? And I was like, whoa, that's, what are we talking about? People were sending me the newspaper link. And so I clicked on it and I read, Delaware County commissioners finish out year with decorum rules and officer appointments. I thought, all right, yeah, I can give this a read. And so I noticed at first it starts off being written by Corey Olenkamp, which is the city county government reporter for the Star Press. And the article starts off saying Delaware County commissioners passed a series of decorum rules on the heels of the Muncie City Council meetings that have been filled with chaos in recent months. The commissioners have already used these rules at several controversial CAFO meetings in late 2018 and early 2019. The goal for Monday was to formally put these rules in the books so they can be enforced if needed. Commissioners alluded to recent city council meetings in discussing the need for some guidelines of their own. Those meetings meaning the city council meetings, one of which lasted nearly six hours, saw tensions rise and speakers from the public get up to talk before every piece of legislation in both October, November, and December. Disruptions from the public were cited by council members when December's meeting was abruptly adjourned, leaving business unresolved. The rules passed Monday at the commissioners' meeting allow for the commissioners to maintain order during meetings by setting the standard with the repercussions that they should, if they should be broken. The incoming city council members have discussed similar measures to return order to their meetings. Now stop. Stop right here. First and foremost... I'll have it noted for the record that the beginning of this article says commissioners have already used these rules at several controversial CAFO meetings in late 2018 or early 2019. Well, I want it stated for the record that I was not at any of those commissioners' meetings in late 2018 or 2019, and there were still meetings that were heated, and that's because... Sometimes in government and sometimes in politics, people are not happy with what's going on. No matter if the people are in the right or if they're in the wrong, they're not happy with what's going on. And the way that they can show it is by speaking during the meetings to the people who are supposed to be representing them. All right? Now, I want to make it perfectly clear, and I'm going to say it right here. I've said it a thousand times before. I'll say it a thousand more times, but I'm going to make sure that people hear me, and I don't care what you think because of what I say and my actions show differently. 
you get more out of being polite and being nice and being calm and being prepared and rational at these meetings than you do by acting a fool and screaming and yelling and cussing and carrying on. I have said time after time after time, when you get up at these meetings, do not cuss, do not be violent, keep your cool, and have your statement or your questions written out and prepared. And don't just write them out once and then take them there on the date of the meeting. Write it out and practice it. In most cases at these meetings, you have three minutes or less. So know what your time limit is. Make sure that your statement or your questions fall under that time limit and be prepared to go up there. Don't go off script. And if you ask questions, kind of have an understanding of the answer that you might get. If you get an answer, is it going to throw off the rest of your questions? Or do you know what answer you should be getting? You know, what kind of question and answer is going on here? You've got to take that into play too. It's always best to kind of bounce this idea off of somebody and then go in there prepared. Don't go in there yelling. Don't go in there screaming. Don't go in there cussing because they'll shut you off. Don't be violent. Don't threaten. I even have a podcast episode called Catch More Bees with Honey. The point of what I'm trying to get across is you're going to get more done and you're going to get more accomplished being calm, cool, and prepared. Now, am I saying that there isn't time that you get up there and you get a little upset? Or am I saying that it's not appropriate for you to show disgust? No, I'm not saying that. Because there is a time and a place for everything. And depending on what the situation is... So I want to unpack this here just for a second. First and foremost, first and foremost... Nothing that happened at Delaware County and what they're doing has anything to do with anything that I've done. All right? So that is on them. It has nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with Audie Barber. And it's got nothing to do with anything. If any political official anywhere in charge of a meeting wants to maintain order in the meeting, maintain order. But if you're not doing the right thing, ask yourself what's going on. There is a call for from time to time, civil disobedience. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But I want to make sure that we are very clear here because it says in this article, there were people getting up and speaking after every piece of legislation. Well, that's how it goes because you can speak. Now, they like to say, and it's quoted in here in this article, and I know that other council members, and other councilors in different communities have said before, well, the public access counselor says that you don't necessarily get to speak. That's true. That's true. They don't have to let public speak at any meeting like this. However, nothing that the city of Winchester or the town of Gaston, or the city of Muncie, or the city of Anderson, or Delaware County, or Marion County can do, and nothing that the state of Indiana can do, overrides your First Amendment right to the Constitution of the United States of America. And it says you have a right to freedom of speech, and by God, that's what that means. So, 
they can haul you out of there if they so choose, but then it opens them up to legal action, and you have to decide if that's what you choose to do or not. Sometimes it's the best thing to do, sometimes it's not best to do, and you have to determine, and some people are willing to do that, and some people aren't, and sometimes the point matters, and sometimes it might not. I tend to believe that the freedom of speech when dealing with redressing your government always matters if you're doing it within the realm that you're not out of control. And some people might not like Audie Barber, or might not like me, or might not like how Audie goes about things, or might not like how I go about things. But it doesn't mean that we're not right. Listen, I am not blind to the fact that they need to do city business, that they need to do county business, that people shouldn't just get up there blabbering on and going crazy. But we have a pretty serious issue, a pretty serious question, something that was brought up, the fact that there was a person sitting on the council that should not have been sitting on the council, that was making decisions, and that should not have been making decisions, and they needed to either say they didn't want to deal with it so that when it went to court we could announce that, or they needed to try to deal with it. That meant they needed to call it for a vote. And then that means if they didn't have the votes to remove him, at least we knew who did the right thing and we could call out those that did the wrong thing by not voting to remove him. Or they could have voted and they might have actually removed him. But when they called for the vote, Audie sit down. He stopped talking. He stopped saying anything. Had they've called for the vote back in November, nothing else would have happened in November. They could have went on. Nothing else would have happened in December. They could have conducted their meeting. But because they called for the vote and then they backed out of it like the wimps that they were, we never knew. And so they decided at that point to remove themselves from the situation and to adjourn the meeting. Nobody wanted that. I didn't want that. Audie didn't want that. Had they have voted and the vote not passed, meaning had Dan and Polk been the only two people that voted for removal, the meeting would have went forward and Audie and I wouldn't have said anything more because it didn't pass. But we would have known that Dan did the right thing, and we would have known that Polk did the right thing. And then when we went to court, we would have said, yep, two of them voted to remove him, and the rest didn't. Or two voted to remove him, a couple abstained, and the rest didn't. But we would have known that, and the meeting could have went on. That was the only issue at hand. There was no other reason to get crazy and to get out of control. The only reason that I went up after every legislative issue that was brought up, every ordinance, was because Doug pushed the issue. I told him I could have got it all done after the first one, but he decided. He pushed my hand on that. I didn't want to do that. I could have taken care of that after the first ordinance. I could have went up there and read each ordinance number out and said, you're going to vote on ordinances 1 through 10, and each one of these ordinances, you need to be aware that he's sitting up here and he should not be allowed to vote. And you need to understand that. 
But he didn't want to do that, so I went up after each one. Now, there's people that like it. There's people that don't like it. That doesn't matter. I would fight for your right to get up and say what you need to say, and that's how it needs to be. I need these incoming council members to know, and I need counselors everywhere to know, whether they're new or they're coming back or what, that no one should get up disrupting a meeting. But when you have a political issue, when you have a serious issue like that, you have to do what you got to do. It's kind of a political dance. It's kind of like being in a courtroom and objecting, even when you know the judge is saying, no, you are preserving the record. And we'll know tomorrow on what's going to happen with Hampton. So you guys will have to tune in on Saturday to find that out. But the whole point is, we're not up there just disrupting it just to disrupt it. They might disagree with what's said. But that does not give them a right, nor does anything they vote on give them a right to shut down an American's constitutional right to freedom of speech. I was arrested for speaking in a Winchester City Council meeting in November of 2017. It was an unlawful, unjust, unconstitutional arrest for me using my constitutionally protected political speech. It didn't stop me from asking questions. It didn't stop me from standing up and speaking when I needed to speak or when I needed to address the government. But I've also attended meetings where I haven't said anything. I've also attended meetings where I've been calm and cool and collected. Most meetings, I'm calm, cool, and collected. And just because I'm upset or angry about something that they're doing, nobody's in danger. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to kill people. I'm going to express my opinion, and I'm going to use my constitutional rights, and I'm going to fight back against that politically. The same with Muncie. There have been a lot of Muncie City Council meetings in my life that I've attended and I've not spoke. There will be a lot more Muncie City Council meetings that I will not speak at. There will be some that I will get up and speak at. Sometimes I'll be happy, and sometimes I won't be, and sometimes I'll be asking questions. But I will always do what I feel is right, set forth by the freedoms that I've been given as a citizen. And I will always stand behind you and your right to address your government, whether you're in Anderson or Indianapolis or Fort Wayne or Akron, Ohio, or wherever you are. I will always help fight for your right to address your government, praise your government, and redress your government. They work for you. And I will help any elected official remember that any and every time that that would be needed. Because they do, from time to time, forget that. They do, from time to time, need reminding that they are the public servant that work for the citizens. And it's not a big deal. Nobody needs to get all up in arms. No one needs to go into January preparing for everything crazy to occur. Because everything should be good. It's 2020. They've been promising things are going to be better. Let's make sure that we understand. We had a person sitting on the council from August in a, in a pretty large city, the city of Muncie, 
that should not have been sitting there. You don't just say, oh, shucks, let's, let's see what happens. You do what needs to be done to remove him. Where were the Republicans on this? Where were the Democrats who say that they're good Democrats? Where were they at? Where was the common sense? Where were the people who said, this cannot happen and it must be addressed? You know, Victor Whitehead, the Republican Party chairman from Delaware County, made a big press release. He got his name in the paper. He wrote a big letter to Hampton, wrote a letter to all the other council members, said he would be at a council meeting to demand that Hampton step down or else he would demand that the council remove him. Boy, he fizzled out, all right. I'm telling you, it's like a joke here. And so they didn't want to act, and they felt like they should just be able to go on acting on other city business, just like it didn't matter. It's like, no, you can't do that. So they had a chance to do the right thing, and they didn't. And they canceled the meeting, and that's on them. That's not on Audie Barber. That's not on Christopher Bilbrey. That's not on anybody else. No matter how much Paul Shockley wants it to be, no matter how bad Lynn Peters or Nora Powell want to spin a story, or anyone else for that fact, right is right and wrong is wrong. And what occurred in that council meeting was wrong. And what occurred at the council meeting in November, well, that was on Doug. And what happened in October? Well, that was the budget meeting. Hell, in the budget meeting, the budget portion of that council meeting, the budget argument lasted an hour and a half on top of any other city business, along with an entire community who come to redress Linda Gregory's comments. Right or wrong, you like the comments or not, you don't like the comments or not, you feel anything should or should not have happened. They still had a right to say what needed to be said, and that's what took that meeting so long, and that had nothing to do with Audie Barber, or had nothing to do with Christopher Bilbrey. Not a damn thing. Yet you have this small group of people, small group of hypocrites, I'll call them, that are able to bitch about the other side when the other side is in power and doing something that they don't like. But they don't want to be called to that same standard when they are in power or when their man's in power. And I don't operate that way. I'm able to praise a Democrat the same way I can praise a Republican. The very same way I can call out a Democrat like I can call out a Republican. And I've always done it, and I always will. It's fair here. It's fair. It's not Well, to the victor goes the spoils, and as long as I'm in power and my people are in power, I just won't say anything. No, sir, that does not work that way. So this small group of people that like to think that way, they're the ones going around saying, oh, what Chris is doing right now is wrong. Oh, I can't believe it. He's changed. His personality's different. He's vindictive. He's mean. He's out of control. He's spiteful. No. I'm just applying the same set of common sense values to the right as I do the left, or to the up as I do the down, or to your guy or my guy 
if need be, that I would to the other guy. I have no problem praising or calling out any Democrat or any Republican, be it my friend or not my friend, because right is right and wrong is wrong. And it's got nothing to do with changing. It's got nothing to do with being vindictive. It's got everything to do with right being right and wrong being wrong. But you've got this small group of people that is making everybody, including the incoming people specifically in Muncie and others, crazy scared that the whole rest of forever is going to be like this and they need to put all these laws in place to stop everybody from talking. Well, first of all, slow your roll because that would be problem number one if you start doing that. Because there's no intention of anything being wrong in 2020 until there is a problem. And I promise I won't make the first draw on it. They'll make the first draw, but I'll be the last standing. And if or when there is a problem or there is an issue, it will be dealt with because that's what we wanted, right? That's what all of this hope for a better 2020 was. Electing all the people that we elected, the hope was things would be better. So if there are issues then it's going to be easy to address them because that's who we elected. But if there is an issue with addressing issues, well, guess what? That will be an issue. And that's what the name of this episode is going to be called. Episode 65, The Issue with Addressing Issues. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we'll be right back after this quick break. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her Mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Perception. Perception. Perception is... Reality. Reality. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. I am actually recording today's episode on Tuesday, December 17th, 2019, which is actually 246 years and one day after the Boston Tea Party. The Boston Tea Party, as you'll remember, was a political protest that occurred on December 16th, 1773 at Boston, Massachusetts, Griffin's Wharf. American colonists had become increasingly frustrated and angry at Britain for imposing taxation without representation. See, what happened was, by the 1760s, Britain was so deep in debt due to their involvement in protecting the colonies during the Seven Years' Wars that British Parliament imposed a series of taxes on American colonists to help pay for those debts. The Stamp Act of 1765 taxed colonists on every piece of printed paper they used, from newspapers to playing cards to business license and other legal documents. The Townsend Act of 1767 went a step further, taxing essentials such as paint, paper, glass, lead, and tea, which by the 1760s, those in the American colonies were drinking almost a million pounds of per year. So of course that means that's going to be 
heavily taxed, and there's going to be a lot of money to be made there. The British government felt that the taxes were fair, since much of this debt was earned fighting wars on the colonists' behalf. The colonists, however, disagreed. They were furious at being taxed without having any representation in Parliament, and felt that it was wrong for Britain to impose taxes on them to gain revenue. On March 5, 1770, a street brawl happened in Boston between American colonists and British soldiers, later to be called the Boston Massacre. The fight began after an unruly group of colonists, frustrated with the presence of British soldiers in their streets, flung snowballs and other vulgarities at the British troops. Reinforcements arrived and opened fire on the mob, killing five colonists and wounding six. The Boston Massacre and its fallout further incited colonists to rage against Britain. England eventually repealed most of the taxes against the colonists, except the tea tax. There was just too much money to be made. So what did the colonists do? Well, they protested. They boycotted tea sold by the British East India Company, and they smuggled in Dutch tea, leaving the British East India Company with millions of pounds of surplus tea and facing bankruptcy. In May of 1773, British Parliament passed the Tea Act, which allowed British East India Company to sell tea to the colonies duty-free and much cheaper than other tea companies, but still taxed the tea when it reached colonial ports. Britain, of course, did its best to overcome this, and the colonists tried to fight back against what they would do, and it was going back and forth. The Sons of Liberty were a group of colonial merchants and tradesmen that were founded to protest the Stamp Act and other forms of taxation without representation. There were many prominent revolutionary heroes, founding fathers as we call them today, that were included in the Sons of Liberty. But the group was led by Samuel Adams. The Sons of Liberty held meetings rallying against British Parliament and protesting against the arrival of ships that held tea that they were simply not going to pay taxes on. By the morning of December 16, 1773, there were three ships that were docked at Griffin's Wharf and loaded down with tea. Thousands of colonists convened at the wharf and on the surrounding streets, and a meeting was held at the Old South Meeting House where a large group of colonists, as many as 5,000, voted to refuse to pay taxes on the tea or to allow the tea to be unloaded, stored, used, or sold. Governor Thomas Hutchison refused to allow the ships to return to Britain and ordered that the tea tariff be paid and the tea unloaded. The colonists refused, and Hutchison never offered a satisfactory compromise. That night, a large group of men, around a hundred, disguised themselves in Native American garb, boarded the docked ships, and threw 342 chests of tea into the Boston Harbor. It's important to note that no other damage occurred on the ship. They didn't steal or damage any other property that wasn't the tea or the chest that the tea came in. And it's even been reported that they swept and cleaned up any mess made because of this act. And just as important as looking at this event, it's also important to understand that not all of the Founding Fathers or American Patriots agreed with this act. George Washington specifically 
did not feel like this was something that should have happened. However, a majority of the Founding Fathers, and now history, has looked at this event, this act of civil disobedience, as an action that needed to occur to get this point across. So were there other ways they could have handled that? Are there other things they could have done? Could they have sat down and had conversations? Could they have written letters? Could they have raised their hand? Could they have been more polite? Well, sure they could have. But this was something that they saw as an action that they needed to take to get their point across to make the biggest splash, if you will, no pun intended, to make their voices heard. Do you think that I like to run the risk of being arrested because I'm speaking to elected officials? Let's keep in mind, folks, that elected officials aren't some kind of nobility here that we're talking about. These are people who live in the same community as you or I, who are no different than you or I. Some cases are more criminal than you or I. And we're supposed to treat them with some reverence because of their actions? I will treat them with the reverence they deserve. Meaning, if they deserve to be treated like they're on high, well then okay, that's fine. But until they act that way, they're no better than you or me or anyone else. I just, here's the deal. I am not comparing standing up at a meeting and yelling about John Hampton or standing up and telling the Winchester City Council that they're out of order. I'm not comparing those acts with the Boston Tea Party. Those acts are minor compared to what happened at the Boston Tea Party. But I'm saying every now and then, you have to stand for what you believe in. I'm not asking each and every person in the entire world to believe what I believe. I'm saying this is simply what I believe in. And I felt, because of the situation that this is what I had to do. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it at each and every meeting from here on out for the rest of forever. It simply means there was a situation and that's how I chose to handle it because I wasn't given another option. They didn't give me another option. They were taking the options away. Audie Barber sat down as soon as they started talking about the situation. I'm even going to take it a step further. Audie Barber and I knew during the recess that they didn't have enough votes to get Hampton off the council because we knew that Lynn Peters was going to abstain. She came down and told us. So I need to make sure that it's clear that we didn't have any intention of hijacking the meeting. It's not hijacking a meeting when citizens get up to talk about legislation. That can happen. 
And I can tell you, I mean, I'm going to attend a Delaware County Council meeting and Delaware County Commissioner meeting, both, all of them. And I mean, if they're going to run around and act afraid and stop people from talking, well, that's on them, and that should be addressed, and it will be addressed. But I have no intentions of causing problems, and people shouldn't go into these meetings with those intentions. My intentions are that the officials should do what they're supposed to do, that they don't have to push us to those extremes. I don't have any ill will towards any of them. I don't have any ill will towards Sean Byram, the mayor of Winchester, who is just days now from being nobody again. He's more or less been nobody for the last year. That was his decision. He basically served for two years of his term as mayor. He served 2016, he served 2017. In 2018, he spent that year running for state representative, and he spent 2019 licking his wounds because he got beat. But I have no ill will toward him. I have no ill will towards Dennis Tyler. I have no ill will towards Doug Marshall. I have no ill will towards Nora Powell. I just want them to do what they're supposed to be doing. And I want the new elected officials to do what they're supposed to be doing. Whether they're in Muncie or they're in Winchester or they're in Union City or Anderson or Indianapolis or wherever, just act accordingly. Act the way that you're supposed to act. And understand, listen, I've had conversations with Aaron Clark and I've had conversations with Richard Ivey, and I've had conversations with all of them. I've had conversations with Troy Ingram and with Brad Polk. And talking one-on-one, -on -one, they all agree. Well, you got to do what you got to do. I understand. We're going to do good. I want to do good. But then they get up there, and the ones that have been up there, their record speaks for what they've done. And there's nobody currently on the council in Winchester or the council in Muncie or the council in Union City or the council in Anderson that should be proud of what they've done. Some a longer period than others and things can always be turned around and there is hope for 2020. But no one is in a position now where they're better off and their city is better off than where they were four years ago, specifically not those areas that I mentioned. Now, there probably are, and that's the whole test. That's the whole question, the whole thing you got to ask yourself. You always have to say, am I better off now than I was four years ago? Is my city, is my town, is my county better off now than we were four years ago? And if the answer is yes, well, then you need to praise those elected officials. Your elected officials are doing your community a service. They are doing wonderful, and keep electing them. But if your community, you in your community, your neighbors, your friends, your family, are not doing better than you were four years ago, 
then that's a problem. And I'm not talking about removing personal responsibility. I'm not saying if you're just a bum or you're a drug addict or you beat your wife so she left you or or anything like that. I mean, that's just on you. But I'm just talking about as a community. If your community is worse off than it was four years ago at this date, then that's a problem and you need to reevaluate who is in charge of your community. We're getting ready to wrap up here, but I also want to say this, and this is very, very important. There are a small few select people that have contacted me stating, you know what they're trying to do, right? You know what they're trying to do by this article in the paper. They're trying to scare people out of going. They're trying to tell people, shut up, it doesn't matter. We don't need to hear from you. We're not going to hear from you. Now, I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, no, that's not what they're trying to do. It very well could be what they're trying to do, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm willing to say, no, they're just trying to do the best they can. But time will tell. And I'm willing to give them all the benefit of the doubt. 2020 is the promise of a brand new tomorrow. January 1st, 2020 will be the start of a new month, a new year, a new administration, a new four-year term, a new decade. And I'm willing to give all of these people, whether they are first-time officials or if they're incumbents returning, I'm going to give them all the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to ask them all any questions that come up because that's what transparency is and accountability is being able to ask them questions, them understanding that it's just us asking questions to them and then them answering those questions and dealing with the outcome of those answers. That is accountability and being able to to be open to those questions is the transparency being able to be seen and saying, Hey, you know, we have nothing to hide here. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. If I need to ask a tough question and if they respond appropriately, well then good on them. That's what they should be doing. That's why they're where they're at. A lot of them, that's why I pushed for them to be there. Why I told people to vote for them. That's why I wanted them to win in various different communities. It's, it's known who I pushed for all over the board. But if I go to any of them, if I go to the mayor of Winchester, if I go to the Winchester council meeting in January and I ask a question and I'm blown off, if I don't have access to same social media that every other citizen has access to. If I can't ask a question of the new transparent mayor of Muncie, if I can't ask for records in Union City or tell someone in Union City how to ask for records and it's not a big old problem and, and citizens are being told they're not welcome because Nate Conklin's on the council, well then that is a fight. And I'll be here to help those citizens. I'll be here to help that community. And if you don't want my help, okay, then I don't speak for you. I'm not trying to speak for anybody. 
I'm simply trying to get the information out and letting people know, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. These people are your neighbors or your your co-citizens in your community. They're no one. You could easily run for office and be sitting where they're sitting. Maybe you ought to consider that. Here's the way that you start. You start getting involved. You start going to meetings. You start asking questions. You start talking with your fellow citizens. You communicate with your elected officials, the ones that you like and the ones that you don't like. You're respectful, you're polite, but you ask questions. You go to the meetings, you go to neighborhood association meetings, you go to events in your community, you get your finger on the pulse of the community, you let people know that you care, and in three years you file to run a campaign and you run a campaign the best that you possibly can. And at the end of the day, win or lose, you will know that you've done the very best and you will continue doing the very best. And sometimes we'll agree and sometimes we'll disagree, but that's politics. We'll be right back after this quick break. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. See, didn't the last half of that episode seem positive? I'm positive. I can be positive, and I'll continue being positive. I'm always positive. But I'm also positive that I'll never be pushed around by an elected official. Not ever. Not ever. Never. I will never be pushed around by an elected official, and neither should you. That's going to do it for us, folks. Just the way to not be pushed around is to get active, to get involved, to get informed, and to know what's going on. Education, that's the key. And as I say, until next time, folks. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.